0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Two Minute Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Homan, and today I'm going to be changing up the format from what I normally have been doing on this show. Today I am doing a power ranking episode and I'm going to be splitting them up from the AFC and the NFC. So I'm not going to do all 32 teams together. I thought it would be a little bit more interesting so that I could also look at it from like a playoff picture perspective. So that's what I'm going to do today. And then at the end of the episode, I will go over my picks for the Thursday night football game this week. All of the other games we're going to cover in the Limitless episode. So if you want my picks on the spreads, you got to tune into the Limitless edition of the show. This one specifically, I am going to do the Thursday night game. And again, every other game we're doing on the Limitless episode. So with that all being said, let's jump right in. I'm going to do the AFC first, then the NFC power rankings. Then I will close out with the Thursday night football picks. Let's get it. Number 16 in the AFC I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And honestly, I don't necessarily know if they are the worst team in the AFC. However, I have to put them here on principle since they are on a 19-game losing streak. So they're 0-4 this season. In Week 1, they lost to the Texans. Then the Broncos in Week 2. They started to give Cardinals fans a heart attack in Week 3, but ultimately they got beat soundly. And then last week on Thursday Night Football, it was wildly entertaining considering the competition, but they lost to the Bengals in Week 4. So the Jaguars 0-4 this year. Trevor Lawrence, he's actually looking better. Looks like he's making less rookie mistakes. And I'm honestly excited to see that team's progression. What gives me a ton of pause is how much noise this team is causing, specifically the head coach, Urban Meyer he kind of looks like a tire fire right now. Immediately, he had rumors saying that he might return to college football. Now he has this little, I stayed in Ohio and, you know, did some stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. And the owner is having to speak out and give his vote of confidence, which typically means if he has to do that publicly, that he doesn't have a lot of confidence in him. So all in all, Jaguars seem like a little rocky mess, and considering that they are 0-4, I am just throwing them down here at the bottom, number 16 in the AFC. But let's go ahead and move on to the Texans, who are 1-3, and the reason that I put them here largely is because they lost their starting quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, and it's just not the same team. They honestly looked very promising in week one when they shattered expectations going against the Jags, but... Then again, it was the Jags who I just put at number 16. So maybe that is why those expectations kind of had a shift there. But then in week two, the Texans did put out a decent battle against the Browns. And then after that, Tyrod Taylor injured. Davis Mills had to start against the Panthers in Thursday night football in week three. And honestly, they just got worked. It wasn't even as bad, though, as this week. Week four, they got Absolutely obliterated by the Bills. They lost 40 to nothing in week four. And honestly, without Tyrod Taylor back at the helm, of course, there's this Deshaun Watson thing looming over the entire franchise. Jack Easterby looming over the entire franchise. And all in all, even if the rest of the team has had their moments, had some moments of inspiration that I said, oh, hey, maybe they have something here, I don't think David Cully can pull out enough from this roster with Davis Mills at the helm to really elevate them. So that's why I have them ranked number 15. So let's move on to number 14, the Jets, who are 1-3. and They lost to the Panthers in week one, but only by five points. So it was still a one-score game, which is kind of interesting to think back on. But then they couldn't hang with the Patriots in week two, and that's when everyone said, oh, no, the sky is falling in New York. The Jets look terrible. Then week three, the Jets couldn't even manage to score in Denver. So that kind of confirmed our bias against the Jets. And then here in week four, they managed to pull off a huge overtime upset win against the Hobble Titans. So, again, the Titans were without their two best wide receivers. They were without Julio Jones. They were without A.J. Brown. But still, the Titans lost to the Jets. The Jets. Quarterbacked by rookie Zach Wilson, who looked pretty good in this week four. He, again, still had some mistakes, but honestly he had some giant deep balls as well that made him look like, oh, yeah, that is a number two overall pick throw. That was good. Good to see that. Robert Sala, people have been saying that he was going to get his first win sooner rather than later. Well, here it is in week four. And honestly, I can say not necessarily a ton of confidence with this Jets franchise moving forward, but enough for me to put them above a couple of teams, at least for now. But let's go ahead and move on to the Dolphins at 13. And this is a team that honestly has been a giant disappointment. I could see them fall even further in this list, depending how the next couple of games shake out. But right now, the Dolphins 1-3, and after they beat the Patriots in week one by one point, they got completely shut out against the Bills in week two. And then they lost to the Raiders in week three, despite going up two touchdowns early. Of course, at this point, they're already without Tua Tunga so Jacoby Brissett is the starter here now. And the team just couldn't even do much of anything when they lost to the Colts in week four. So it looked way uglier in week four. This team is just slowly degrading already. I think this team won 10 games last year. I think this team is easily going to lose 10 games, if not more, this year. So I'm really disappointed in what I've seen so far from the Dolphins. You know, maybe they'll be able to pull it together, but with this whole quarterback situation, it really isn't looking promising. I was expecting a lot more of Will. Fuller's addition to the offense, but he's already hurt his finger and is going to be out probably next week. So, I mean, things just aren't looking up. And the running game has been disappointing. Honestly, the passing game has been disappointing. Jalen Waddle has been good, but not necessarily awe-inspiring. So, all in all, just a shaky shaky start for the Dolphins, whose defense did look okay in some of these losses, but ultimately when you're getting blown out, you really can't even say that. They really struggled to get off the field. Maybe they got tired, but at the end of the day, even if your offense isn't doing their end of the bargain, that doesn't leave a giant excuse for the defensive end. And if the defense isn't pulling up their end of the bargain by at least keeping the score relatively close, then it's hard to see this franchise amounting many wins moving forward. But let's move forward to number 12 in the Colts, who are 1-3. and three. They lost their season opener to the Seahawks and didn't look great in the process. But then they hung tough against the Rams, which was surprising. You know, looking back, they hung tough with the Rams. That's good. I would really view the Rams very highly. So far, I haven't thought very highly of the Colts. They might have been proving me wrong starting here in week four. But at this point, it's still not enough for me to push them higher into this list. So I have the Colts at 12. After they hung tough against the Rams in Week 2, they dropped a the game to a divisional opponent in the Titans in Week 3, but was finally able to pull off a win against the Brissette-led Dolphins in Week 4. So again, you know, not necessarily the most dominant of wins, not necessarily the most impressive opponent to get their first win on, but a win is a win nonetheless. And ultimately, if Carson Wentz can be healthy, he has a ton of talent. And that's pretty much all that can be said about Carson Wentz is just he has a ton of talent. Can Frank Wright open that up even more? Because so far, he's barely pulled anything out of him. It really is hard to even say that Carson Wentz has had a solid game. But against the Dolphins, they handled business. That's all you can really ask for. And it was an upset pick for me. I was not expecting the Colts to beat the Dolphins, so that's why I have the Colts now ahead of the Dolphins on this list. And moving on to number 11, we have the Steelers at 1-3, and three, who in week 1, they honestly just took advantage of what looked to be an ill-prepared Bills team in week 1. I didn't think the Bills walked into this season ready to go. On the other side, the Steelers were actually healthy. Big Ben was fresh. He's old. He needs as much rest as possible. So, boom, there's the whole offseason. Big Ben has a game. And it might be the only game we truly see out of Big Ben. Because if we move on to Week 2, of course, we already know they dropped off a cliff against the Raiders. And then the Bengals in Week 3. And then the Packers in week four. So these losses are just starting to pile on. It seems like, just like we have some games where, on like, you know, the Packers in week one, maybe toss that loss out. Honestly, it looks like on the Steelers, maybe we need to toss out that win in week one because the Bills look amazing. And if they were to play again, I think the Bills would beat them over and over and over and over. So I really don't think it would be close anymore. So I am still giving them credit for that win at this very moment in putting them at 11. And the only reason that I'm doing that is honestly because of Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin does not produce losing football seasons. He's been with the Steelers organization forever and have never had a losing season. So of course, this year, it looks like this year might be the one that he does. But for now, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt by not dropping them further down on this list quite yet. But they are still out of the teams that I have, quote-unquote, in consideration for being in the hunt. And that's what we're going to move on to next with number 10 in the New England Patriots, who are also at 1-3 and three. In week one, they lost by one point to the Dolphins, as I mentioned before. And then, as I also mentioned before, they beat up on the Jets in week two. So Mac Jones gets a win over the other rookie in Zach Wilson. So is it really that impressive? I don't know. But I'm putting them up here because even though they lost to the Saints, the Saints are one of those teams that are so roller y If they're hot, they're hot. If they're not, they're not. And so I am kind of giving them a pass on the Saints, and kind of giving them a pass this past week, losing to the GOAT, Tom Brady, in his return to Foxborough on Sunday night football. You know, they kept it way closer than I imagined they would have. Maybe that was because of weather. Maybe that was because the refs were missing any call that could have gone against the Patriots and blowing the whistle on anything that could have been going against the Bucs. So, you know, there's that discrepancy there. But it's hard to give them even more credit than they deserve. But I'm placing them here because I think to lesser teams, they would have won that game. I think the Patriots would have come away with a win against many, many, many other teams in the NFL. The other thing is that Mac Jones looked pretty good. He had, at one point, a streak of 19 consecutive passes that went for a completion, which ties Tom Brady's career record. So that shows that Mac Jones can run that system pretty well. And it also shows that the Patriots have a lot of promise moving forward. Granted, Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary is pretty weak. So maybe I'm overvaluing that performance a tiny bit, but he was doing that in a rainy weather condition, 19 straight completion. So that in itself is impressive. Then the Patriots, of course, they have Bill Belichick. So that's another reason why I'm keeping them up this high. That defense is going to be well-run, well-coached. But let's move on to the Titans, who I can say pretty much the exact opposite about. But I think that their performance thus far has been a little tiny bit more impressive than the Patriots, but not even close to as impressive as anyone else above them on this list. I'm going to start off saying, yes, the Titans are 2-2. In week one, the Titans were the heavy favorites going in against the Cardinals who no one saw coming, you know, besides me, of course. I say, you know, joking, but half serious because I made the homer pick week one and took the Cardinals, but, you know, of course I did so hesitantly. So, you know, no one saw the Cardinals coming in week one, the Titans lose. Then they bounce back and go run the ball down Seattle's throat to beat them in week two. You know, it was still close, but Derrick Henry was ultimately just unleashed in week two and he hasn't stopped since. So he did the exact same thing to the Colts in week three. And then in week four, he did again, but this time it was without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones, they were both sitting out due to injuries, and they managed to lose in overtime to the Jets. That's why I can't put them any higher at all on this list. They lost to the Jets. It was absolutely embarrassing. I don't care who you're missing. With Derrick Henry running for 150 plus yards, you should be able to come out on top in this game, and they just couldn't do it. The Jets were averaging less than a touchdown per game coming into that one, and they beat the Titans. So for now, I have to keep the Titans this low on the list. Technically, I should move them up because someone has to go to the playoffs in the garbage AFC South, but I'm not going to do it at this point. I'm just moving on to number eight, the Denver Broncos. Now we have a 3 and one team here. This is the first team that I have sitting just outside of what I would consider the playoff picture minus the Titans if the season ended right now. This is how I would have it. So the Broncos, 3-1, and one, they beat up on the Giants in Week 1. Then they beat up on Jacksonville. Then they beat up on the Jets. So no wins collectively amongst any of those teams through Week 3. In Week 4, the Giants and the Jets both got their first win. So we can't necessarily say that anymore. But in Week 4, they also got stomped by the Ravens with Teddy Bridgewater going out with a concussion drew lock coming in. If Teddy can't come back, that's bad news for the Broncos. They're dealing with a lot of stuff going on with, you know, Jerry Judy being out now, Teddy Bridgewater out. And then the level of competition hasn't been really high. And then they have their first real test and they lay an egg, not an egg, but it's a complete dud of a game. Not impressed at all with what I saw out of the Broncos in week four. And that's why I have them just shy of cracking the top seven, which is what we're going to jump into next. And in my power rankings, these are the teams, because seven teams from each conference make the playoffs. These are the seven teams that I would put into the playoffs if the season ended today. And I'm ignoring the divisional rule to include the Bengals, who are three and one. They beat the Vikings in overtime in week one. Then they couldn't manage to do the same against the Bears in week two. But then in week three, they completely handled the Steelers. And then they squeaked out a win over the Jags on Thursday night football in week four. And the Jags were playing their best football that I have seen them play all year. So even though they struggled against the Jags, I give them a pass. Even though their other wins are against... The Steelers and the Vikings. I give them a pass. Granted, that bear loss does kind of look bad in hindsight. However, with the way that Joe Burrow plays, if Joe Burrow is on the field, I trust the Bengals to come out on top in many situations. Of course, not on, against the teams necessarily that are above them on this list. So, you know, let's clarify. I don't expect them to beat everyone. But. I do expect them to play very well very often, and that's why I have them so high. They are sitting at 3-1 and for a reason. They earned it. Gotta give them their props, specifically Joe Burrow coming off that injury, and I think that they are going to get more pass-happy moving forward because that is Zach Taylor's default, and Joe Burrow is going to get healthier as the season progresses. Joe Mixon seems like he's hurt right now. He's probably going to be out for at least a week or two if I had to guess. That means we have backup running backs coming in. Zach Taylor's not going to lean as heavily on those guys. Joe Burrow is going to get it done with his arm. And I think that's when we're going to see an even better attack. Even though, obviously, the running game is important. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me twisted. I just think that Joe Burrow is a special talent. And as long as he is not hurt, this team will look pretty good with him at the helm. But let's go ahead and move on to the next team that I see making the playoffs in the AFC, number six. And this part really just kind of gets confusing because I could put the 6-5-4-3 in any given order. And honestly, this might be the wrong order. But I'm going to do it for now. But I think I have to do it. I think I have to drop the Raiders here at six. And the reason for that, not only did they just lose to the Chargers, which I'll get to in a minute, but they keep going down by large margins and then have to claw their way back. And that just makes me nervous. I think that they can't keep pulling wins out that way. So I'm going to put the Raiders here. They're number six in the list. They're three and one the Raiders had a crazy overtime win against the Ravens during Sunday Night Football in Week 1. Then they backed up that crazy performance by beating the Steelers in Week 2. And then in Week 3, they fell behind early against the Dolphins, but they were able to come back and beat them handedly. And then in Week 4, they tried to do the same thing to the Chargers, but they came up short in Monday Night Football during Week 4. So, again, my problem is, is not, with the Raiders as an organization, take nothing away from what they've accomplished so far. The reason that they are this low in this ranking, outside of the fact that they just lost to the Chargers, again has to do with the way they are having to manufacture these wins. Teams are not going to come out on top very often when they fall behind by 14 plus points. And they have done that three of these four games. So I'm really not expecting that much more wins if they continue to play in that fashion. I don't think that they will against every opponent, of course, and that's why they are still this high on this list. And again, I really think that they are a great team. I love what Derek Carr has done so far. I wish their run game was a little bit better. Their defense has not been a sieve, which it has been in previous seasons. So I'm glad to see that the Raiders are improved. I'm glad to see that they are still... Absolutely relevant and absolutely in the playoff conversation moving from week four into week five. And honestly, they've been on top. I could have easily put them at number three had they come up with another win. I might have been able to put them two or one had they come up with a win against this Chargers team. But with the way that they are entering in the games and then losing this past week, I see that happening more often than I see what they were able to do in week one and in week three, where they were able to come out on top after falling to a two-Dutch town or more deficit. So that's why I got them here. Let's move on to the Browns. I have them currently right now as it stands at number five. Browns are three and one, and their one loss comes to a close loss to the Chiefs in week one. And since then, they've been on a roll, but they've also been faced with the Houston Texans, The Bears in week three, and then the Vikings in week four. So, against Houston, I was expecting them to blow them out of the water, and they honestly did keep that game closer than I felt comfortable with. So, that made me have my reservations about this team. But then they completely embarrassed the Bears, which made me say, okay, no, all is right with the Browns. And now, week four is the interesting one. You know, they win. 14-17 against the Vikings, but it's not like their offense was moving very effectively. It's not like their defense could initially stop the Vikings, but then, of course, after that opening drive, they completely clamped down. So, of course, the Browns are a good team. There are just a lot of good teams in the AFC, which is why I have them here. They did lose to the Chiefs, and that's who we're going to move on to next in number four. The Chiefs, they are two and two right now, which is a surprising two and two. After they beat the Browns in week one, they lost by just one point to the Ravens in week two, and then they lost again to the Chargers in week three. And then they outpaced the Eagles in a high scoring affair in week four. So the problem with the Chiefs is their defense. They have Tyron Matthew and other than that, there isn't anyone that I would say, "Ah, oh, man, I really wish my team had that player. So the problem is absolutely with their defense. They are just absolutely letting everyone run into the end zone and their offense has to be able to keep pace and usually they can, which is why they are still this high on the list despite their two losses. If you notice the other teams that I mentioned, that they lost to, the Ravens and the Chargers, I have not mentioned yet on this list. We are going to get to those guys in a second. But the Chiefs need to be able to be more than just an offensive powerhouse. They need to be able to balance that with some level of good defense. It doesn't have to be great, but it does have to be good. Because the Browns have a really good defense. And come later in the year, I will not be surprised at all if this list gets flipped. I'm not just going off of wins and losses, but it's so early in the season that I have to factor that in. And so when I'm factoring that in right now, the Chiefs did beat the Browns and they lost to these other two teams. So let's move on to one of those right now. We have the Ravens sitting at number three. And the reason that I have the Ravens here, first of all, of course, they're three and one. And they lost in overtime, like I mentioned, to the Raiders in week one. Then they squeaked out a win over the Chiefs in a shootout. So it was a shootout. It was a high-scoring affair. And the Ravens came out on top. And then they squeaked out another win thanks to the longest field goal in NFL history against the Lions. So that is concerning. The fact that they had to go down to the last second. And had Justin Tucker not hit a 66-yard field goal, they would have dropped a loss thanks to the Lions. So that is definitely concerning. But then they bounced back in week four and they handled their business against the Broncos. It never looked close. Granted, it was quarterbacked partly by Drew Locke. So that could have a giant factor in this, of course. But the Ravens came out on top. They're 3-1. Their only loss, again, being to the Raiders, who, again, I had to put the Raiders somewhere. So I dropped them lower. I can't just do wins and losses by this entire thing. That's not the way power rankings work. But it does play a factor, which is why I have the Ravens above the Chiefs. They did handle the Chiefs fair and square. So I'm putting them here. You know, you could say the same thing about the Raiders, but the Raiders were behind, again, heavily to the Ravens, and they come back to win. And then they do the same thing in a few other games. So I just don't necessarily trust that. What I do trust is the Ravens, and that is because of Lamar Jackson. It doesn't matter... Who's at the running back position, which now it seems pretty clear that it's going to be Latavius Murray moving forward, which he's a solid back. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards before. You know who else has? Lamar Jackson. Lamar is also not just that running threat anymore. He is throwing the ball really, really well, and as long as Marquise Hollywood Brown decides to catch it, I think that these Ravens are going to be just fine, which is why I have them at number three in the AFC But there are a few teams that I think would beat them, which include number two, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, I have the Chargers at number two. They are three and one. The Chargers got a week one win against the Washington football team. Then they fell in a close game to the Cowboys in week two. But they made up for it by upsetting the Chiefs in week three. And then they carried that momentum into a statement win over what was an undefeated Raiders team in week four on Monday Night Football. So they got some big wins under their belt, and they got those division wins under their belt. Their only losses to the Cowboys, who, of course, are in the NFC, and they are very high, spoiler alert, on that list. Not necessarily the top, but they're up there. So other than their wins and losses, the reason why the Chargers are so high on this list is because of how impressive not only Justin Herbert is, but the entire offense is. Mike Williams, what a stud, dude. If you're like me and were able to pick him up in the 11th round of your fantasy draft, you won the fantasy lottery in that pick. Mike Williams is elite. Austin Eckler, also looking fantastic. And then, of course, there's staples like Keenan Allen who are just always good. You just expect it of them. Of course, you could say the same thing about Austin Eckler. And even though you only have one year, you could really say that about Justin Herbert. So all in all, Chargers look very, very good on offense. And their defense has performed really, really well. I think that they are honestly in the top 10 of defenses in the entire NFL. So to be paired with that offense, which, you know... Is it top 10? It's probably really, really close. And I think maybe if the statistics don't necessarily back that up, I think that their eye test does. I think that they are going to go places, as I believe John Gruden said in his presser after getting beat by the Chargers. So these guys are going places. Even though they don't have home field advantage in their own home stadium, I have a lot of faith in the Los Angeles Chargers. But moving on, To a team that I have a little bit more faith in. In the AFC. Number one on my list. Is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills lost their opener. To the Steelers. They just looked a little discombobulated. They didn't look very well prepared. They maybe just didn't have their legs underneath them. And they dropped week one to the Steelers. But since then. Week two. They didn't even let the Dolphins score. While the Bills put up 35 points. Then in week three. They put up 43 points against the Washington football team who did manage to score at least, but the bills pretty much doubled their score, almost doubled their score. And then they hung 40 in a shutout against the Texans. So three of their games, they just absolutely blow the teams out two of those games. They don't even let the other team score. And I think that the bills are just an, Absolute wrecking ball to be dealt with throughout the rest of this season. I cannot wait for this upcoming week against the Chiefs. I think it is going to be special. And spoiler alert, I think that the Bills are going to come out on top against the Chiefs in week five. So let's go ahead and now pivot to the NFC. And let's go back to the bottom, which means that we are starting out with the completely defeated. Detroit Lions. The Lions are 0-4. In week one, they tried and failed to make a comeback against the 49ers. Then in week two, they forgot how to play football after halftime and let the Packers run away with the win. Then in week three, they lost because the Ravens hit the longest field goal in NFL history. Then in week four, they got rolled by Chicago, and I did not expect anything from Chicago. So... They deserve to be at the bottom of this list. Granted, they almost beat the Ravens, but almost close. It only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, so they are still completely defeated, which means they are still at the bottom of this list. Do I think that they can easily move up this list? Yes. I don't think that they are a true, true definition of a basement dweller, but until I am proven otherwise, they have to be at the bottom of the list. And let's go ahead. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the lower teams. Let's go ahead and jump up to the Falcons. I don't think that the Falcons are any good. They beat the Giants, but that's pretty much the only reason that they are even above the Lions at this point. So let's recap. In week one, they got completely blown out by the Eagles, who I don't think very highly of either. Then they were able to put up points against Tampa, but the Bucks nearly put up double the amount of points in week two. And in week three, again, they were able to squeak out a win by three against the Giants. So I give them credit for that. But then in week four, they lost to Washington. And I don't think very highly of Washington. So their only win is against the Giants, who I don't think very highly of. And honestly, if they played that game 10 times, I think the Falcons might lose six of those 10. So that's why I have them below the Giants here but let's go ahead and move up to a team that I also have below the Giants still, and that is the Chicago Bears. They are two and two. I have them number 14 on this list because they lost very badly to the Rams to open the season, and then they beat the Bengals but lost Andy Dalton in week two, and then it looked like a complete dumpster fire for the Chicago Bears against the Browns in week three, and then, you know, they had a get-right game in week four, but it was against the Lions. So again, I don't really look that deeply into their win against the Lions because it's the Lions, and I really don't know what to think of their quarterback situation at this point. Andy Dalton, does he come back and become the starter again if he's healthy? Does Justin Fields just go back to sitting? Does that really help this team out, or is are they better off with Justin Fields? Obviously, in week one, Three, it didn't really look like that. Week four told a little bit of a different story, but it's just hard to make heads or tails of what Matt Nagy is actually trying to accomplish in Chicago. That coach has always just been really off to me. A lot of people really liked him initially, a lot of people really don't like him anymore, and I've never been able to make heads or tails of the guy. So to me, the Bears, I guess are sitting this low because I really don't know where else to put them. I don't think that they would beat very many of the other teams that I have above them. And despite them having a better record at this point than some of these teams, I just don't see any rhyme or reason as to why I should put them higher yet. Especially now factoring in the fact that David Montgomery is hurt. But let's move on to a team that I do have higher, which I've already mentioned. It is the Giants. In week one, the Giants lost to the Broncos, and it was not really close. Then in week two, it was close, but again, they lost. And this time it was against the Washington football team. Then in week three, they lost close again, this time to Atlanta. And then in week four, they finally managed to pull out a win against the up-and-down Saints team. So... Not taking anything away from the Giants. They got their first win, but they are only 1-3. and And their losses came to Washington and Atlanta, which brings them this low into the list. Because I don't think very highly of either of those teams. And now, you know, the Saints, I think they're just the definition of middle of the road. And personally, I look at the NFC East in general outside of the Dallas Cowboys as below middle of the road. So I have the Giants in last in that division right now. That could easily change. But for now, I got to put them here and move on to someone else in that division. Let's go on to number 12 in the NFC. I have the Eagles here at one and three. They opened up the season in an impressive fashion and in a dominant win But it was against the Falcons. So in hindsight, maybe it wasn't so impressive. And maybe that's why I have just this longing for them to be good. Because that win was so lopsided. However, in week two, they lost in a defensive battle against the 49ers in a low scoring affair. So again, it's not like they got blown out, but they couldn't put up points either. And we've seen very many other teams be able to put up points against the 49ers. And then in week three, they got completely smacked around by the Cowboys in that primetime game. So that was totally the game that said, okay, this division is a joke besides the Cowboys, which the Cowboys have since backed up. But then moving on to week four, you know, Jalen Hurts looked a lot better when they played against the Chiefs in week four. It was a high-scoring shootout, and it honestly felt a lot closer than the score ended up as. And Jalen Hurts, again, played well. They did get worked. I'm not going to lie. The defense let the Chiefs score at will. They looked completely lost when trying to defend Tyree Kill. But then again, most teams look completely lost in either defending Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey. They kind of got to pick one, and the Eagles just got completely bested by what truly is a better offense. The defense is what scared me here on this game for the Eagles because they looked lost and they looked lost against the Cowboys too. And the 49ers game, I had so much hope. So I've been let down two weeks in a row. Granted to very good teams, but I've been let down two weeks in a row. So I'm going to be putting them below their other NFC East division mate in the Washington football team who I have at 11. They are currently 2-2. Two and two. In Week 1, they were able to keep it close, but got beat by the Chargers. Then in Week 2, they were able to win a nail-biter against the Giants, but then they got completely dunked on by the Bills in Week 3. And then in Week 4, they were able to handle the Falcons. So against really good teams, we see them get beat. Against really bad teams, they, we've seen them be able to pull off the win, So that's why I'm putting them above a couple of these bad teams here. And ultimately, I still have a lot of faith in the roster of the Washington football team. Their offense seems to be able to be, you know, willed into winning with Taylor Heineke as quarterback. And then their defense, not necessarily living up to their reputation. Of course, they are two and two for a reason, and they have not looked good against the better teams. But their roster is still good, and I think that they can work their way into playing better, which is why I currently have them at this point ahead of the Eagles and the Giants in what is really just a messy race to the bottom in that division. But there's not only one division in the NFC, so let's move on from those three teams to the Saints. And this is, again, where I start to get into quote-unquote, the hunt of the playoffs. So I put three teams, 10, 9, and 8, in the hunt of the playoffs, and then seven and above I consider to be the playoff teams for now if the season were to end today. So let's start with the Saints at number 10. They are 2-2. Two and two. They opened up with fireworks, completely shocking the Green Bay Packers and looked great in the process. But then they went and stunk it up in week two against the Panthers. And then in week three, that rolls around and boom, fireworks again against the Patriots. And then last week, they go and get beat by an inferior Giants team. So I still have them above the Giants, but they did just get beat by the Giants. They're two and two. They are way roller coaster. They are way high, high, low, low. And you just don't know which side is going to show up to play in any given week. If there was an eight and eight team still, they would be eight and eight. With this 17th game added in, I see them either going 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight it just is kind of a coin flip. They're very high and low. They're very middle of the pack. They belong here at number 10. And I'm not going to spend too much more time on them here. Because I want to get on to number 9 in the Vikings. I have a 1-3 team ahead of the Saints. That's right, at number 9 because in week 1, the Vikings managed to take the Bengals to overtime, but ultimately they fell short. Then in week 2, their luck didn't change, as their kicker missed what could have been a walk-off game winner, and instead they handed that win to the Cardinals. Then in week 3, however, they had a really solid bounce-back performance, and they handled the Seahawks well, and got their first win of the season. And then that momentum, unfortunately, just didn't carry very far into week four because after their opening drive touchdown, the Vikings could do nothing against the Browns, and they lost 14-7. to So, again, another team that has some high highs but then falls short. And I think that they are going to play consistently better football than the Saints. And some things just have to go their way in the game instead of go against them in the game, for them to come out with those wins. And I think that that is going to happen more often than the Saints are going to show up and play a solid game of football throughout the season. So that's why I have the Vikings higher than the Saints. But again, their record is 1-3, and so I have to have them below some teams that maybe they're better than, but I just can't say that at this point. So let's move on to number eight, which is the San Francisco 49ers. They are two and two in week one. The Niners smacked the Lions and they kind of let them crawl back into it at the end, but it was never really a game that felt close. Then in week two, they had a defensive slugfest with the Eagles and they came out on top. The same can't be said about week three. In fact, it was pretty much the opposite when San Francisco lost in a shootout to the Packers. And then in week four, thanks in part to an injury of starting quarterback Jimmy G, Trey Lance wasn't able to do enough to come in as the backup against the division rival Seahawks. So they fell to the Seahawks in week four. So two and two, it's kind of hard to see which direction these 49ers are going to go, which is why I don't have them in the playoffs at this point. I have them just on the edge and I have them one spot below division rival Seahawks at number seven. So I put the Seahawks in because of that win over the 49ers. In week one, you know the Seattle Seahawks, they came out and their offense was high flying and they got a convincing win over the Colts. The following week, the offense kept scoring, but the defense had no answers for Derrick Henry and the Titans who handed Seattle the L. And Then Seattle came out hot in week three, but sputtered against the Vikings who were able to beat them convincingly And then the Seahawks were able to bounce back with a win against division rival 49ers. So this team is another one that, you know, has those really high highs and then can fall short. And I think that Russell Wilson is the kind of quarterback and the kind of leader who will ultimately will his team to win more often than not. And I think that the Seahawks just play a really explosive brand of football. So they can beat you over the top and get those kind of cheap touchdowns that allow them to crawl back in if they are behind and allow them to just get ahead and stay ahead in many cases. So really it comes down to how can Pete Carroll get this defense to do enough to let their offense stay in these games because Pete Carroll has to be able to hold up his end of the bargain. He is always constantly saying, I want to be a defensive run first base team but Russell Wilson ends up being the one who has to put the team on his back, save the day, and he can't do it every time, but it's because the Seahawks are putting him in that situation over and over and over again. So I expect a lot more out of the Seahawks. I expect them to do very well throughout the season, but at this point, they've already played well enough for me to consider them a playoff contender, which is why I have them just speaking in at number seven. Well, let's go ahead and move on to number six. And at this point, I have the Panthers here. In week one, the Panthers beat the Jets in what ended up being just a one score game since the Jets got a touchdown late, but the Panthers were able to just run out the clock. And then in week two, you know, they were able to completely put the Saints in check. And they were just coming off a big statement win against the Packers, or what we all thought was a big statement win. Now it looks like the Saints are, you know, like I've said a few times now already, just kind of an up-and-down average middle-of-the-road team, and maybe the Packers were just caught sleeping. And so when the Panthers went out and laid the wood on the Saints, I think everyone elevated the Panthers to a very top-tier level. But then let's go ahead and look at Week 3, where, you know, they did what they were supposed to do and beat the Houston Texans. And, you know, did they do it super convincingly? I guess you could say that. But to me, it didn't prove that much of anything. And if anything, it just hurt because they lost Christian McCaffrey for a little while. And now is the time where they actually start getting tested. So again, they beat the Jets, they beat the Saints, they beat the Texans. But then in week four, they have to face the Cowboys. And the Cowboys. Absolutely looked like the better team from start to finish, in my opinion. So, the Panthers just got handed their first loss. It was without Christian McCaffrey. So, will this team look really, really good again once Christian McCaffrey is added back into this offense? Yeah, absolutely. But how long is that actually going to take? You know, Sam Darnold has been very surprising in terms of his ability to rush into the end zone. He's looked much better than he ever did as the Jets quarterback. So, you know, this franchise is on the up and up. It is in the top tier of the NFC at this point. But at this point, I still would consider it among the lower end of teams that only have one loss at this point, at least specifically in the NFC. So let's go ahead and move on to number five. And there we have the Green Bay Packers in week one. We all know the Packers came out flat against the Saints and made Jameis Winston look like an elite quarterback, but then they bounced back in week two with a get-right game against the Lions, who did hang in tough for a half, but then Aaron Rodgers just took the game over. In week three, they were able to pull off a narrow victory over the 49ers, thanks to them leaving 37 seconds left on the clock for Aaron Rodgers to go ahead and make that game-winning drive. And then in week four, they just did what everyone's been doing, which is make the Steelers look bad. So I think that it is pretty clear that the Packers have made that course correction after week one and are on the right track. I think many people would actually argue that maybe I have them a little too low on this list, but knowing that week one is within the realm of possibilities, I do factor that in and at least right now. I know that most people would just say, ah, toss out week one. Well, then I would have to say that about every single team. Ah, just toss out week one. And I can't. That's not the way that this league works. You still have to play what's on your schedule, and you have to show up in those games. And the Packers simply did not in week one. And, you know, they're being faulted for it on my power rankings for now. I just think that there are a couple better teams. And one of those teams, I think, is number four, the Dallas Cowboys. So, to start off in week one, they looked really impressive in the tough season opener against the reigning Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they came out short. I'm not making any excuses for them. They didn't win the game, but no one expected them to win that game. And as far as losses go, I would say that that is just about as impressive of a loss that you will see in this league. And then they packed that up by beating out the Chargers in Week 2. And then they put an exclamation point on the NFC East by destroying the Eagles on Monday Night Football in Week 3. Then this week, they faced what was then an undefeated team in the Carolina Panthers, and they handed them their first loss. So the Dallas Cowboys have been extremely impressive, I would say both on offense and defense, mostly on offense. But the shining point on defense, I would say, is Trayvon Diggs. That guy has had an interception or two in every single game this year. It is excessively impressive to think that the Cowboys drafted both him and CeeDee Lamb in back-to-back picks. They absolutely nailed both of them, in my opinion. And I'm super excited For a Cowboys team, as long as everyone stays healthy or as healthy as any team that you can expect to be in the NFL, I think that they can really do something this year. I think that they can really do some damage. And I am not a Cowboys fan, but I do have a lot of them on my fantasy football team, so I'm actually rooting for them this year. But I think that they have been impressive thus far, but not as impressive as number three, the Buccaneers. So, again... This is a team that, you know, some people will put them higher, some people will put them lower, but I have them at number three in the first game of the NFL season. Like I just covered, they were able to eke out a win over the Cowboys. Then in week two, they completely blew out the Falcons. However, it is undeniable that in week three, they got handed a big fat L against the Los Angeles Rams. It's not really debatable from start to finish. The Rams looked like the better team in that game. And I'm not sure that if they were to play over and over and over again, if the Rams wouldn't just make them look equally as bad as they did in week three. The Rams have a better offense and a better defense, in my opinion, at this point in time when they are playing that buttoned up. They played almost a perfect game, the Rams did. So I put the bucks at 3 but not just because of that Rams loss I also really wasn't impressed with the Patriots win in week 4 I thought that that game on Sunday night football was honestly pretty boring it was fun from like a true football standpoint because it was tough sledding it was in the rain it was you know a lot of good storylines going into the game of you know who gets the most credit for the dynasty Bill or Brady and I honestly don't think that this game had that much to weigh that argument either direction. I was expecting a lot more from Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than they were able to produce. So that's why I don't move them up or down at all from last week in my head. I say that they are still solidly behind the Rams, which is who I currently have at number two. So let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams. In week one, they made it clear that the Matt Stafford trade worked and worked very, very well in Los Angeles by handling the Chicago Bears. Then in week two, they squeaked out a three-point victory over the Colts. That seemed to be overshadowed by week three when they stood down the barrel of the Tampa Bay Bucks and came out victorious rather easily, like I just covered. However, now that win seems to be overshadowed by getting dog-walked by the Cardinals from start to finish And even a garbage time touchdown didn't make that score look close. So honestly, they're in the toughest division in football, in my personal opinion. They had to run up against the Cardinals, who were also going into that game undefeated. And the Cardinals had been discounted, 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 not only all year, but really all time ever since. Sean McVay took over for the Rams. He has just absolutely dominated the record against the Cardinals. Going into that game, he was 8-0 and against the Cardinals. And I think that it's safe to say that maybe he overlooked them this year. You know, maybe thought that he was able to just walk in and get a victory by just going through the motions. But it's not the same old Cardinals as we have very clearly seen specifically by last week which is why I have to place them as the number one seed in my power rankings for the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals, sitting atop. Yeah, kind of a homer thing to do, but also they deserve it. They are the only team that is undefeated heading into week five, and I really don't care that I'm a homer. I genuinely believe that other people would also believe that the Arizona Cardinals deserve to be number one, at least for this week. In week one, they decisively beat the Titans when they were at full strength. In week two, they squeaked out a win against the Vikings because, honestly, just because the Vikings missed that game-winning kick. So the Cardinals got a win there. In week three, you know, they came out slow against the Jags, but ended up rolling them. And then in week four... There was a cover-to-cover domination of the Rams that everyone had pegged as the best team in football after they had just dominated the Bucks the week prior, and the Cardinals handled business soundly. The Cards' offense is the top 10 in pretty much every category and number one overall. Defensively, they are in the middle of the pack but absolutely crushing in the stats that matter like forced fumbles and interceptions. They are the only remaining undefeated team throughout the entire NFL, So they sit atop the NFC West, which is widely considered to be the toughest division in football, although I would argue that could just as easily go to the AFC West. But for now, I have to place the Cardinals at the top of the NFC. And I absolutely take a ton of pride in being a fan of the Arizona Cardinals, dating all the way back to when I used to have to sit on the metal bleachers at Sun Devil Stadium to watch the professional football team play. You know, it's been a long road, but they are undefeated through Week 4. But Super Bowls aren't won in Week 4. They aren't won in Week 5. they got to continue this streak. But for now, let's give them their props. They deserve to be here at number 1 in these power rankings. But that is it for the power rankings. Let's do a quick recap for the AFC. We had the Jaguars, the Texans. The Jets, Dolphins, Colts, Steelers. Then in the hunt, we had the Patriots, Titans, and Broncos. Then as for who I would have in the playoffs at this point, I have the Bengals, Raiders, Browns, Chiefs, Ravens, Chargers, and Bills in that order. Then as for the NFC, we start at the bottom with the Lions, the Falcons, the Bears, Giants, Eagles, Washington football team. And then in the hunt, I have the Saints, Vikings, and 49ers. And then if the season were to end now, I would have the Seahawks, Panthers, Packers, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Rams, and Cardinals in the playoffs in that order. But now, let's go ahead and move to the Thursday night football matchup, which we will see Two of our top contenders in the NFC West, we have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are at home, and they are getting spotted 2.5 points last I checked. And the over-under is a whopping 55. So let me tell you how I would approach this game from a betting perspective. If I had to take a lean on the spread, I would probably still take the Rams, Minus two and a half. They just had what amounted to a pretty embarrassing loss against the Cardinals. Granted, I think that those are the two best teams in the NFC duking it out. But a loss is a loss, and the Rams want a bounce back. So I think that they're going to go and take their aggression out on the Seahawks. However, I probably would not bet this game just straight up on the spread because two and a half, that's not a number that is really enticing to me, either direction, I could easily see the Seahawks or the Rams coming out on top on this one. What I would do probably is stick this in a teaser parlay. If I, say, tease the Seahawks up to getting 8.5, I think that that would be a really great bet. The other option would be betting the over-under. Personally, over-under at 55. Seems a little bit high for this particular matchup. I don't know why, but I would expect the Rams to show out a little bit more on defense since they didn't last week. And the Seahawks aren't necessarily a dominant defense at this point, but I do think that because it's a divisional rivalry, they will want to show out on that side of the ball. They're very familiar with this team. Granted, it's got a new look to them with Matt Stafford at the helm, but it's going to be interesting no matter what. So I personally, if I ha- again, if I had to take a lean, I would take the Rams minus 2.5. I would probably bet, stick this in a parlay teaser, Seahawks plus 8.5. So get a little six-point teaser, have that be one of the legs. And then over-under, I would bet the under of 55. So those are my picks for Thursday night football. Fantasy-wise, I would definitely look to have Tyler Lockett have a bounce-back game. He has had a slow Week 3 and Week 4 after a very explosive Week 1 and Week 2. So I think that he needs to find a happy middle ground, but I think that he's going to edge towards his Week 1, Week 2 performance against the Rams. And as far as the Rams go, I'll go ahead and turn my attention to the running back. Daryl Henderson, I think that if you are worried about starting him this week, is he going to be back at full strength? My answer is an emphatic yes. I think that he is going to immediately assume the lead back role again. I think that he is going to have a ton of carries, and I think that he's going to get into the end zone against the Seahawks. So look for Daryl Henderson to look fantastic in his first return back after the rib injury. All right, that's it. That's the show. If you want the rest of the game breakdowns, the picks, the fantasy options, tune into the Limitless Edition of the podcast this week. We won't have Tyler Cordell, unfortunately, but we will have Jake McClanahan and Matthew Shetler breaking down these games. We're all going to go through our picks on these spreads, on the over-unders and some fantasy options for each one of these games. Definitely looking forward to that. Please tune in. I hope you enjoyed this new format of the Two Minute Drill podcast. I definitely had a blast coming up with these power rankings. I think that I will definitely be able to fine tune how I want to expunge this information moving forward in future episodes if I continue to build and adjust on these power rankings. I might fall back into the original format where I break down the prior week and then look ahead to the coming week and tell you my picks and my fantasy options but i also might have a lot of fun and just withholding that information for a tiny bit longer and then getting to break that down with the crew in the limitless edition so i definitely had a lot of fun in this episode i hope you enjoyed hit me up on instagram at the Michael Homan, if you want to share with me your thoughts and opinions on how I did on these power rankings, what you would change, what you would adjust, and also feel free to take the time to review the show. It greatly helps a lot. Please just leave that five-star review on the Apple Podcasts, on the Spotify, on whatever platform it is that you are listening to. I'd greatly appreciate it. Tune into the Limitless Edition dropping later in the week if you listen to this one all the way to the end, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Be a pal. Share this with your pals. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace.